Arts, Lifestyle, SNS Online. Inspector, this is my friend Ace. Hello. How do you do that, Ariella? I'm usually really good at hide-and-seek. Looks like we buffed our way out of trouble again, Nasha. <laughs> I'll just stand here and pretend to be a coat rack, is that it? Right? Fine. Hello. There's nobody here to take your call at the moment, but Mummy says to leave a message on the answer phone. What about the, um, diddly-diddly-diddly-diddly-diddly in the Doctor That's Who music? That's number one here. That's... Please, young lady, you're better dressed. Who's undressed? Excuse my young friend, she comes from a less civilised clime. What do you want me to do? Wrap up in a curtain? Oh, it's not my fault this decade's got no street cred. You know what's going on, don't you? Yes. You always know. You just can't be bothered to tell anyone. It's like it's some kind of a game and only you know the rules. I felt like I could run forever. Like I could smell the wind and feel the grass under my feet and just... Run forever. You're not carrying any nitronine explosives in there. No. Small human female sighted of level three. What are you calling small? Under a <laughs> Hello and welcome to SNS Online and indeed our very first show of Series 9. What you just heard were a mixed bag of extracts from today's special guest, someone who's had an illustrious career in both TV and theatre, taking the crown for Queen of a Spoken Word, and more recently, a published author. And now she's back, returning as the Doctor's companion, Dorothy McShane, a.k.a. Ace, after 33 years away to see Jodie Whittaker's tenure out in style and join in with the centenary celebrations of the BBC. Welcome, one and all, to the totally fabulous Sophie Aldred. Sophie Aldred, TV, stage and voice actor, presenter, singer, novelist, teacher, wife and mother. Welcome to SNS Online. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, we have to tick off all of them, including wife and mother. I think that's, that's probably the most important <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, what an incredible and varied career to date. I'd be looking at your stuff. I mean, I would say up there in the A-list of voice actors before we even examine Doctor Who and your amazing contribution to children's TV over the years. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, it's funny because I don't think of it that way, obviously. It's just sort of I, I'm, I love my job. I love what I do. And uh and I just go along and do whatever comes up. But it's it, I'm very, very fortunate to have had such great jobs in yeah, my life. Absolutely. Is it true you were close to becoming a Blue Peter presenter once, or did I imagine that? Well, apparently, yeah. It was when I was doing a lot of children's presenting, and um, Diane Louise Jordan, um, she took over from me doing um, a programme I did called Corners yep. because I, I, it, it clashed with something else. Mm. And so they found Lou, Diane Louise Jordan. Anyway, she went on to audition for Doctor for um, uh, Blue Peter. And apparently the editor said to her, um, oh, we're looking for somebody like Sophie Aldred. <laughs> um, Diane told me this years later. <laughs> and, and she so, so, and I thought, why didn't they just ask Sophie Aldrin? <laughs> <laughs> presumably you were in Doctor Who by that stage. I was, right. yes. I was in Doctor Who and I was doing loads of um, 
uh, educational children's presenting yes, and, and entertainment and preschool and all sorts. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could just imagine you as a uh, presenting Blue Peter and doing a sort of a how to put together Nitro 9 to blurt that teacher you're fed up with. <laughs> That'd be quite amusing. Well, I mean, well what... actually, yeah. funnily enough, I did get a letter once from a, a child and they said, um, could you give me the recipe for Nitro 9, please? Because I want to blow up my teacher. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I mean, was there a particular reason Ace, Ace had a Blue Peter badge on her puffer jacket? I just wouldn't imagine it would be her sort of telly, really. Yeah, but... well, I, yes, I had two, in fact. Mm. And when when um, when I kind of uh, said to the costume designer, oh, I think Ace would wear a jacket like this. And I showed yeah. him a couple of photographs of girls clubbing from the face magazine and they had these jackets with badges and safety pins all over and uh, I, I don't know what happened I think I just brought a whole load of badges in mm. including my two blue peter badges because I thought that would be quite fun and um and sure enough we put them on and um yeah you're right ace would but it, in fact I do explain a bit of that in one of the books that oh. I do. Ace, Ace has sort of had aspirations yes. of, um, you know, sort of like, and she loves making things, obviously. So, well, yeah. As we know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but anyway, it's quite funny because on my first day in the studio, the camera pointed at me in my jacket and um, apparently there was a bit of a commotion and somebody came downstairs from the gallery and said to me, uh, Sophie, are they your own badges, Blue Peter badges? Because the Blue Peter office has been in touch with ah. us because they, they'd been watching on what's called the ring main, which is yes, the yeah. sort of like, you know, you could see into all the studios. Mm. And, they'd, uh, and they'd spotted these Blue Peter badges. I said, yes, yes, they were mine. I won them in 1970-something or other. And they looked back through their files, which were... Um, drawers and drawers of little cards apparently in those days yes. and sure enough they found my name twice That's and I was brilliant. allowed to keep my blue peter badges on my jacket what did you win your badges for I've got badges <laughs> have you got yeah. a badge you tell me uh, yours yeah. first <laughs> well the first one I got was for um I a lot with my brother we invented a fantastic space rocket which what you do is you put a squeezy bottle onto the end of your garden hose <laughs> you turn the tap on and it shoots off Geronimo. up into space it's fantastic. fantastic so there was that and then that's very ace one. isn't it really yes it <laughs> yeah. is rather ace yeah and then the second one um i my mum took me to an exhibition Somewhere in South East London, I think probably Peckham or Deptford or somewhere. And it was a, a porter cabin and you walked in and it was a sort of art installation and everything. There was a, a family and and um, a kitchen units and kitchen and a and a bed and everything like that. But it was all made out of cake. Aha. And I thought that Blue Peter should go along and cover it yes. because I thought it was just so it made such an impression on me. This art, a cake as art. Yes. Mm. That's fantastic. 
I, I, uh, I was um, one of a uh, hundred mattress domino topplers, um, human domino topplers, and I fell on uh, the, the Blue Peter presenter in the studio. I think we had a world record for, uh, for about two minutes. It's, it's, on, it's on YouTube, but there we go. Oh, my. <laughs> I'm so jealous. But I actually wow. had, I ended up with two badges because the first one broke in rehearsal, so I have a, a dodgy one and a good one. <laughs> oh, my goodness me. But, yeah. But just to say, I mean, we've had Billy Baxter on the show before, and she was an absolute legend, but quite a taskmaster when it came to checking things like, did people earn their badges properly? So I, I, it just made me smile when you said they were going through all the cards and everything like that to I make sure you were legitimate. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that is integrity for you, Absolutely. isn't it? Absolutely. Good old yeah, Biddy. That's, we, we, need, we need more of that, actually. Uh, yeah. I think if only Biddy Baxter was in charge yeah. of the world... I wanted to take things back in time, as I know you and the Doctor are pretty expert in, to your early days uh, and just get an idea of uh, a sense of when you wanted to become a performer. Was there a particular sort of uh, special moment that, that stands out? Oh, do you know, I, I don't know whether I was sort of born with it, as they say, but mm. I don't know where it came from because none of my family, are, well, some of them in the, in the distant past were variety performers and things in musicals in uh but but nothing recent um and yeah it was it was extraordinary I don't know where it came from but then I just loved performing we did um I'd I'd make up stories put them on boss around the neighborhood children we've got photos of me dressed as the handsome prince I always had to be the handsome prince <laughs> in this particular outfit from the dressing up box mm. um and we'd invariably use the climbing frame as a castle or something like that. And I'd, I'd just boss around the local children and my younger brother, who played things like the cook. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it went from there, really. Mm. And I just, I loved the feeling of performing. I loved, I loved singing as well. And it, it, that went on all the way through school. I was always in school productions. We had some fantastic teachers. I was in the church choir with an amazing choir mistress who put on brilliant productions and, um, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. So it was all, it was all around me, really. Mm. Um, I loved it. And your parents were quite encouraging? Yes, always really encouraging. Still That's are. Great. And oh, uh, yeah, really, yeah. Really, Hello, Sophie's really parents. <laughs> so you went to drama school. Um, I think you graduated. I, I didn't. I... Oh, I didn't. Oh, you see, now that's school, wrong no. in your Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, no, I know. I've never trained. It said I'm she graduated untrained. in 1983 and decided oh, to embark on a career in children's theatre. <laughs> yes, I graduated from the University of Manchester where I did a drama degree. Oh, degree. Which was, yeah, which was more like a sort of um, history and English degree, although yeah. I took the opportunity to do as many plays as possible. Mm. Uh, when I first got there, the first pretty much the first day I was there, they were auditioning for a sort of bootleg production of the Rocky Horror Show, um, which which was absolutely fantastic. Mm. I was in the chorus being a time warper wearing a bin bag, I seem to remember. <laughs> um, and it was still, oh, I've, I've got such fond memories of that production. I'm still in touch with <clears throat> the people who um, bootlegged it. And <laughs> we're on a little face group book group and we suddenly we 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 suddenly found all these photos and things from it it's really yeah 
It was lovely. Fantastic. Mm. So you, you, I mean, according to your Wikipedia, you initially embarked on the career in children's theatre. So quite a lot of theatre in the early yeah. days. Mm. Lots of theatre, yes. Um, lots of children's theatre, lots of going around in a van, um, doing schools and then um, sort of small national tours. I was in a production of Hansel and Gretel, the opera, um, no. which we did as a national number one tour. Um, yeah, so I had lots of theatre experience. Um yeah, which is which is lovely. Being part of a small company for a, it, there's nothing like it. You know, you you get to know each other incredibly well, and um, uh, yeah, you you have to sort of um, sort out all your problems together. It's great. Yep. Dear corners, what is this part of your face called? And she's got a photograph there. Um, with some arrows pointing to that strange bit between your nose and your mouth. Bee's nappy cream, Dad's greasy hair oil, and Mum's silky face cream. Time to test out my latest gold fast oil, Nasha. Clap your hands, touch your knees, and run with me. When you move, you make the magic. Do what I do to make the magic. Turn that, turn that, turn that, turn that tree through magic on. Look, the sapstone in my belt is glowing. You've done loads of children's TV over the years and so much voice work as well. I just go through some of your stuff. Bob the Builder, Bananas in Pajamas, Peter Rabbit. Your voice work, I've got to say, is absolutely off the scale. Uh, tree Food Tom, I mean, that almost doesn't sound like you at all. That's that's incredible. <laughs> is that really you, Sophie? <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally well, it's is. so funny, isn't it? How, how I, I don't know how, well, I used to, when I was young, uh, my, my lovely younger brother, Johnny, and I used to play with our dolls and teddies and things. And they all used to have voices. And um, I remember my tiny tears was very bossy. And she spoke like that, my <laughs> tiny tears. She was a, she, I don't know why she was a sort of like a kind of a handbag. That's <laughs> what she was. And then there was Teddy Popscrew, who was, who was my brother's Teddy. And he was always the hero. And he was very heroic like that. And that's where I sort of got the idea for Trifu Tom's voice, I think. Wow, that's amazing. So, Trifu Tom mm. just came into the room then. And you also did Dennis, yes. Dennis and Menace and Ganesha as well. I didn't even realise yeah. that was you. Wow. Yes. Yes. Well, that was funny because <clears throat> we filmed the first um, few episodes and uh, and then the BBC came back when they heard them and they said, why has Dennis's parents, why have they got northern accents? <laughs> and uh, Dennis is from London. Because I'd first of all I'd done him, you know. Come on, Nasha, let's go. Let's cause some mischief. Oi, Walter. You know, I'd done him a bit like that. But actually, he ended up being, "Hey, Nasha, let's go. Come on. What are you doing, Nasha? You know, because because it, yeah. So random. There we go. He you... should actually have a Dundee accent because because uh, of course Dennis yeah. the Menace is init is um, initially from Dundee. Ah. Well, there you go. Okay. I'm just thinking, uh, Katie, Katie Manning uh, and yourself, you should do a voice-off competition because uh, uh, yeah. you, you guys are both fantastic. 
Yeah, we both seem to specialise in doing young children. Yes, yeah. <laughs> or all dotty aunts and stuff like that. A handbag! How do you expect to pass your chemistry A-level if you can't even store the equipment properly? A-level? You're from Earth? Used to be. Whereabouts on Earth? Perivale. Sounds nice. You ever been there? No. I was doing this brilliant experiment to extract nitroglycerin from gelignite. I think something must have gone wrong. This time storm blows up from nowhere, whisks me up here. And when was this? Does it matter? Why don't you ever want to go back? Not particularly. How did you initially get the part of Ace uh, back in 1986? Oh, well, it is a long story, but the brief version is (laughs) that my agent put me up for uh, three episodes of Doctor Who because they wanted somebody who looked younger than they really were. I was 24, but I was playing 16. And they wanted somebody who could ride a motorbike, which actually was for the previous story, Delta and the Bannermen. Anyway, I went down to London. I was doing Fiddler on the Roof in the back row of the chorus, um, begrudging the train fare because it was expensive and I was on equity minimum. And uh, I read this piece uh, from actually from Dragonfire, my first story as Ace, and met the director, did a little bit of Daisy Pulls It Off, actually, um, to um, a room full of chairs and the director in the uh, offices. And then I got a recall a couple of weeks later and thought, oh, no, not another train fare. (laughs) And um, it was to meet John Nathan Turner, who was the um, producer, executive producer, went into his Dalek merchandise-filled office, which is quite (laughs) an amazing sight. He asked me to read this passage again, gave me a few notes, and I read it again. Um, And that was it. And I thought, oh, well, never mind. And then... Uh, a little while later, I went into the theatre one night and my agent had left notes for me all day saying, ring me, ring me. <laughs> so I rang her as a suitable break in the show from the uh, payphone backstage at the Opera House in Manchester. And to my great surprise, she said, they want you to to be in Doctor Who, but not only for the three episodes. They said, would you be interested in taking over as the companion And I looked at myself on equity minimum in my kind of uh, fiddler on the roof rags, you know, sort of like and and thought "Mm, one of the most iconic roles, a classic role on British television. Hmm. Yes. Yes, please. I'll do that. I was in a complete daze. It was just amazing. Oh, that's fantastic. And and the executive, John Nathan Turner, took a complete punt. I never had a screen test. Yes. I never. I literally met him for it must have been ten or fifteen minutes mm. in his office. That's it was incredible. He obviously mm. had a good instinct for what was going to work. Yeah, I um, think he did. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and presumably, soon after you met Sylvester McCoy, what was it like? What was because obviously the, the chemistry was fantastic. Um, presumably on screen mm. and off. Oh well, I don't remember the exact moment when I met him, but mm. we just had, we just got on like a house on fire. We shared the same views politically and of the world. We'd both worked in working men's clubs. 
we um we've got the same birthday um we just really hit it off in fact i spent yesterday with him in sheffield at a convention same thing um (laughs) he says we get on so well because i laugh at all his jokes but he's he's just an amazing amazing human and uh i love him to bits and uh yeah we just really hit it off that's so lovely Just to mention that I was actually at a convention years ago. I think we briefly uh, talked about this on Facebook about a couple of months ago because they did some sort of thing about, oh, somebody's won a competition. And I remember remember yes. you were running down and you had this sort of Breton shirt on and yes. um, you, you ran down to collect the thing. And suddenly there was this, this dawn of realisation because people had seen the photos in the Daily Express or whatever that you were the new companion. It was a really cool way to to uh, introduce you as the new companion. <laughs> it was amazing, yes. Yes, it was this guy called Gordon Roxburgh who was um, yeah. one of the DWAS, the Doctor Who Appreciation Society, and he had this idea. Um, and, yeah, he said, we're going to have a fake raffle. And he said, ladies and gentlemen, you know, get out your tickets and uh, the 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 prize is a two week a two a visit to the set of Doctor Who and everyone went <laughs> oh, amazing and uh, everyone got out their tickets and he read out a complete spurious number and I ran down I waved mine it's me it's me and I ran down through this lecture theatre because it was at Imperial College in mm, in London yeah. and um, jumped up on the stage feeling these waves of hatred towards me <laughs> and then he said ladies and gentlemen you know that's right he asked me a question he said um what do you feel about winning the prize about going to visit the set of Doctor Who and I went nah. and I could feel these waves of hatred get even <laughs> stronger I said well I've already been there for the last two weeks and he said ladies and gentlemen let me introduce the new companion Yay! Sophie Aldrin and it was amazing because I've never felt an atmosphere switch from <laughs> hatred to complete and utter surprise and like, yes. and people rushed down and I, the cameras started clicking and it was amazing. Fantastic. That, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a great moment. I was there. Mm. I was there. I was clapping along. I was clapping along. That's incredible. Um, what was it like then for you? Did, had I, you I, got there was no hatred. There's no hatred from me. I just was quite sort of um, interested and bemused. And I thought, oh, who's this this uh, young woman running down, a, down? You know. And then it's just like, oh, okay, this is cool. We, we, we're oh. seeing somebody before she even appears on telly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. um. But yeah, I mean, let's talk about Ace just a little bit. I mean, I've got here, you know, again from the Wikipedia, working as a waitress in the frozen food retail complex of Icewell. It sounds like a, a very familiar Human League track. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a bit of Human League. Going a bit of Human there. League there. But uh, I mean, Ace was quite a departure for Doctor Who Companions, uh, and uh, and quite a development, really. I mean, I would say. Arguably, that began with Elizabeth Sladen subtly uh, back in '74, I think. But uh, you know, a companion with a past, relatives, friends, issues, and and um, it seemed like a combo of a fly in the wall documentary in the city character combined with like a kick-ass Avengers girl. I like that description. There you go. Th- you can use it. I think that's really great. It's it's um. It was the first time, really, that a completely realistic character Mm. had been used in Doctor Who. Mm. Um, I have several people to thank for that. First of all, 
Andrew Cartmel, the script yes, editor, who'd who'd come in and he I think he did just think, yeah, let's let's make something completely different out mm, of this. Mm. Um, and Ian Briggs, who wrote Dragonfire, who sort of um, fleshed out the character and he and Andrew worked closely together um, and worked with me in collaboration as well. You know, um, and then also the fact that John Nathan Turner allowed it, um, allowed the doctor to have in a way a bit less of the focus of the story mm. and sylvester sylvester's the one i really have to think because he was he wanted his doctor to be more mysterious and yeah. to be stepping into the background a little bit you know the sort of slightly machiavellian at times yeah. the sort of almost like the puppet master mm. and um and that was a role he enjoyed along with the fact that he realized that if he was playing a sort of mentor role to ace and saying ace what's this and then i would get the difficult lines yeah. why are two Dalek factions fighting each other ace simple isn't it renegade daleks are blobs, blobs. imperial daleks are bionic blobs with bits added well, you can tell that Daleks are into racial purity. So one lot of Daleks reckon that the other lot of blobs are too different. Well, they're mutants, not pure in their blobbiness. Result? They hate each other's chromosomes. You had some amazing guest stars as well. Let's run through some of those. Sylvia Sims, Frank Windsor, Sharon Juice, Anthony Ainley, Nicholas Courtney, James Ellis, Sheila Hancock, Peggy Mount, Simon Williams, Pamela Salem. Oh, my God, Tony Selby. There are so many, so many more. I mean, that must have been, that must have been such a masterclass as, as a young um, actor. Unbelievable. <laughs> I, I learnt... Uh, that's, where I, that's where I did my training, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd picked up a bit here and there, but really watching those consummate professionals um, who had been in the business for so many years mm. um, was just such a privilege. Yeah. yeah, really amazing. And I did. I watched them. I got, I got tips from them. You know, Sylvia Sims, I'll never forget her showing me how to do a stunt. <laughs> <laughs> um, she said, now, I'm going to touch your head at the back. I'll just touch it. And you yank your head back and it'll look like I'm pulling your hair really brilliant, hard. Brilliant. You know, things like that. Yeah, little tricks. Why not? Hancock, for goodness sake. Oh, you know, yeah. just the, the sort of the poise and the, and mm. the, Oh, her sort of, oh, her, all, her, all that experience. Yeah, she's magnificent. And don't forget, when you smile, I want to see those teeth. <laughs> Shouldn't we take Mike? No, Dalek hunting is a terminal pastime. So what are we doing? Dalek hunting. We are clear, proceed, exterminate any aliens. We obey. <laughs> We have to talk about the baseball bat sequence in uh, Remembrance of the Daleks. I just thought that was such an incredible stunt. And it also, it, uh, an added immediacy because it was all now on video. So it had that sort of feeling that it was happening now. Small human female sighted on level three. What are you calling small? Under a tree, under a tree. 
that was amazing. I mean, that jumping through the window and everything, it was so cool. When I show clips of old Doctor Who to, to people who, uh, you know, don't understand the joy that it gives us, I always want to show sequences like that. <laughs> that sequence was amazing looking back. Mm. Um I, I, I remember reading it in the script and thinking, oh, great, because I loved all that jumping around and stunts and stuff like mm. that. And um, and I remember it was set up so well. The whole setup took ages. It was this, um, we were in a school in Hammersmith in uh, in Macbeth Street, actually. Mm. Um, and it was a, it hadn't been used as a school for a while. Um, and it was an empty classroom. And they brought in all the props, the benches and so on. And we'd rehearsed in North Acton Rehearsal Studios. And the stunt coordinator was brilliant, tip-tipping. He realised very quickly that I could do quite a lot of this stunt. Um, And and then right from the word go, you know, that I loved the line... Who the the Dalek says something like um, small human female sighted on level something or other, and A shouts, "Who are you calling small?" <laughs> and that spoke to me because yeah. I'm not I'm not tall. And uh, when I was at school, I was a friend called me used to call me shrimp. I mean, not that I ever minded being small. I I actually really like being small, but I just thought it was just so funny for me as a person to be <laughs> and and for. Ace is a character because Ace is a big character. Yeah. You know, who are you calling small? And then thumping that Dalek with a baseball bat oh. and then sliding under the deck. It was all perfectly yeah. choreographed. And what I didn't realize was that the visual effects department were going to set off bunts and burners, water, and all that. So it added to the whole adrenaline. Yes. And then we stopped at the moment just before the jump through the window. Yeah. And the stunt coordinator said, Right, sit down because you've been through the equivalent of a, a car crash. Your your body with with that stunt you've just done. You know the adrenaline yes. you've produced and everything. So he said, "I'll send everybody to tea." So everybody went off for a tea break, and I just sat in that room, took some deep breaths, and kind of calmed down. And all of a sudden, I heard this little knocking sound. Oh. I thought, "What's that?" And I heard this knock, 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 knock. And I thought, where's that coming from? And then I heard this little muscled voice saying, excuse me. And it was inside the Dalek. The Dalek. And this poor man, he said, oh, excuse me, could somebody let me out, please? <laughs> and everybody had gone off and forgotten about Oh, that's it. hilarious. I think there's quite a few stories learned over the years. The Daleks is always the last to, to get to lunch. Yes. <laughs> poor Dalek. Oh, poor Dalek. Chesterton, try and force it up from the inside.
You're listening to SNS Online with today's special guest, Sophie Aldred. And we'll be back after this. SNSOnlineShow.com, your brand new one-stop shop for all things SNS. Take a tour through our wide and diverse collection of shows and listen in to our exclusive range of in-depth interviews spanning the popular arts, featuring actors, writers, journalists, stand-up comedians, musicians and more. You can also enjoy our shorter bite-sized series covering vibrant new theatre, television and book releases. And with our Arts Lifestyle Remit, you get to explore issue-based topics including health, mental health, women's rights around the world and LGBTQ. Contact us with both your comments and suggestions for future guests. And don't forget to read up on our blog, regularly updated with articles and photographs. A forum where everyone is welcome to contribute. SNSOnlineShow.com, your one-stop shop for all things SNS. Doctor, look out. Doctor, look out. Then the doctor comes in, all right? Yeah. Okay. Go that way! Doctor, it's a dead end! Just talking about the stunts, it's literally just jogged my memory about that other one, which could have gone terribly wrong and is now used in BBC training because I've seen it. Just talk us through very briefly about that. When you're in a sort of glass tank and the water's filling yeah. up... Yes, the water tank. Well, it was very near the end of the day. And in those days, you absolutely had to stop at 10 10 o'clock because it was just prohibitively expensive afterwards because everybody went on to overtime after that. Mm. Um, So I ran over to the tank. Uh, The visual effects guys on the top lowered me in and started pumping warm water, I'm glad to say. They Mm. didn't often give me warm water to jump in. Um, uh, And the tank started filling. And then Sylvester realised that I couldn't hear anything inside the tank because of the water. So the director came down from the gallery and Sylvester invented these mo- these um, hand signals to check that I was okay. And we rehearsed and the cameras rolled and... Um, I was just, I was, it was a fantastic cliffhanger moment where, you know, it's just what you'd always wanted as as the Doctor Who assistant. Water bubbling up, the, you know, the dire peril, the Doctor's not there. Doctor, Doctor! Mm. And, you know, starts. (laughs) And um, anyway, I was just steadying my hands on the front of the tank and I suddenly felt this crack under my hands. And you can see on the the tape that you mentioned, Sylvester's reaction is just instant. Instant, yeah. And he shouts at the top of his voice, get her out of there. And I put my arms up just as an instinctive reaction, actually, thank goodness. And the visual effects guys were alerted by Sylvester shouting and they hauled me out of the tank and it was so bizarre because I could see the front of the tank kind of billowing out, mm. the glass kind of getting, and the water just shattering the glass and just pouring out gallons and gallons or litres and litres, we'd say now, mm. of water covering the studio floor. Electric and then cables, did yeah. His, yeah, did his next yeah. heroic act, which was shout, turn the power off. And somebody turned the power off. I mean, he was, he really probably did save, not if not my life, then 
a very nasty accident yeah, where I absolutely. would have been sucked through yes. the, with the broken glass mm. and the water. I yeah. mean, goodness knows what would have happened. Yeah. Um, and then saved everybody from the um, potential electric electric shocks, yeah. you know. So, yeah, amazing. He, he really, really was. was. He really was Superhero. the doctor that day, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. <laughs> Where to now is? Home. Home? The TARDIS. Yes, the TARDIS. There are worlds out there where the sky's burning, where the seas asleep and the rivers dream. People made of smoke and cities made of song. Somewhere there's danger, somewhere there's injustice, and somewhere else the tea's getting cold. Come on, Ace, we've got work to do. Was it quite a wrench to have to leave a part behind when the series was cancelled? Because obviously Andrew Clark Mell, as you mentioned, the script has had quite lofty ambitions for the development of Ace. Yes, it was heartbreaking. Mm. Um, I remember when it happened, I was rehearsing um, Corners in uh, the North Acton Studios mm. and no mobiles. So um, there was a call for me in the office and I went out to take it and it was Sylvester. He said, are you sitting down? I said, well, I am now. And he said that he'd been, he'd just been told and he wanted to tell me that it was on hiatus yeah. and it wasn't going to be taken up next year. And I mean, you know, both of us were incredibly fortunate and always have been because we've worked pretty constantly um, since Doctor yeah. Who was was cancelled. But having said that, it was such such a special job, such a special time, such a special relationship with Sylvester and and the crew and all the people involved that it was just really sad yeah, that we weren't absolutely. going to be doing any more, you know? Absolutely. came up and you weren't a part of that were you not particularly surprised that they wanted just to focus on a new doctor and uh, there was a disappointment there well of course there's disappointment yeah. but but also no I wasn't at all surprised because really I mean you know Sylvester would say this himself um it, it, it was a bit weird for an American audience to have a start off with this one character and then, oh, oh, hang on a minute. All of a sudden, it's not that character. You know? mm. um, and um, but Philip Siegel, who was the uh, executive producer on that, I did meet him years later and he, he said, oh, we tried so hard to get you into it, you know, but we just couldn't work out a way. And I was thrilled that he even knew I was. You know, oh, so. <laughs> that's lovely. But then, of course, the fans did not want Doc 2 to end, so we had all the Virgin New Adventures, which had Ace getting up to all sorts. Uh, then Big Finish comes up, which, which uh, yes. uh, allows you to continue playing Ace. Yes, well, unbelievable what the fans have done. Mm. Really, I mean, amazing. Um, first of all, there was a company called BBV, mm. um, a oh, chap yeah. called Bill Baggs, Bill Baggs who... Yeah. 
did some uh did some sort of pirate naughty uh the professor and ace uh and and people would write audio adventures including somebody called mark gates yes. you've <laughs> never heard of him no, and, no idea. yeah people would write would write for us and there was this brilliant community of professional doctor who fans who were in the business but who gary russell yeah. nick briggs all these people russell t davis Stephen moffat you know <laughs> and um so we would like we did them like a shot you know we did some uh things called the stranger with colin baker yeah. and nicola bryant I bought those um yeah, yeah. and um all awesome. sorts and then there was keith barnfather as well who's mm. still going to, with his real-time pictures yeah. doing myth makers and so there was still a lot going on uh, for fans and this was by fans and then thank goodness the fans take over yeah. um i mean big finish was brilliant though that was such a, a master stroke mm. jason hay gallery and gary russell getting the license for doctor yes, who at yes. last and actually being able to do licensed new who was amazing doctor who you are the Doctor. The accused will now confirm they confess to any and all crimes with which they are about to be charged. How do you plead? You were trying to help. The accused has confessed. Let the prosecution commence. There must be some way of getting him back. We just have to find it, that's all. Let's hit them with everything we've got. Let them go or you don't want to know where I'll put this sword. Ace! What did you do? I didn't touch anything. Maybe this will clear out your lug holes. From Big Finish Productions. Torchwood, the red list. Strange lights in the sky, then weeks later the country being overrun with disasters and protests. A good summary, Miss McShane. Thank you. Okay, sinister moaning from nowhere. Ooh, I really hate these spooky old places. Why? Who are you with? Oh, you wouldn't have heard of us. <laughs> well, so long as you're not Torchwood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, funny story. Big finish. We love stories. And all of it had such an impact on, and the reason why Doctor Who returned. So it's entirely down to down to the fans that yeah. it did. And I mean, some of the stories even bleed into the new series in, in, in various ways. There's been references to big Finnish characters. And, and um, yeah, I think the Dalek story was a adaptation of, of, a, of an yes. earlier big Finnish one as well. Yeah, Rob Shearman's Dalek. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Mm. And you yeah. also, I mean, recently, Ace is now featured in a story with David Tennant. Enjoy your visit to a charitable earth. Do my best. Miss McShane, you're back. That jump was incredible. Hearts still bumping. Thank you, Doctor. And that car roll this morning. <laughs> Good luck. First she's ever done. One take. You've got a new face. Again. And you're still not Scottish. Are you sure about that, lassie? I can do Scottish. I'm totally Scottish. <laughs> so you've worked with him twice, yes. but presumably not physically in the same workspace. Trifu no. Trifu Tom. Trifu Tom, we did. We did work in the same space. Oh, okay. We were oh, we were great. all in in the yeah the lovely sound company in in London, and that was great because our methods are very different. And David's much taller than me, mm -hmm. and he 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 moves around as well a lot. So that was fun, and I and I'm very still when I when I do my audio stuff. So that okay. must have been quite funny to watch. <laughs> so that was in the same physical space, and that was so lovely to get to to uh, to be with him. Let's play in the tunnels this time. 
Your turn to seek, Tom. All right. Can someone help me, though? I don't really know my way round down there. Yes, you and Squam Tom be seekers and we'll hide. See you later, Tom. The question is, will you see me? They don't call me Mr. Invisible for nothing. And then, yeah, more recently, doing the big finish, he was, I think, in an attic somewhere, and I was in our airing cupboard at home. <laughs> so <laughs> that was I quite love strange. It. SNS Online presents the soundtrack of your life. Well, I would say the Blue Peter theme, but um, but I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say the Thunderbirds theme, the oh. theme to Thunderbirds, because I thought I was Scott Tracy when I was growing up. Um, and my mum made me a lovely little costume before you could buy such things. And I just love the Thunderbirds. I think they're brilliant. Um, I love the whole idea of international rescue, um, the, you know, these altruistic people who make a difference in the world. I'm all for that. Um, and I just, I love the music in itself. And I still love that. I did my dissertation at university about Jerry Anderson did and you? puppets on television. Yeah. Um, and then when I met my husband, lo and behold, because you often find that people like Thunderbird 2 best, but my husband thought he was Scott Tracy as well <laughs> growing up. I love so, it. There we go. I'm presuming you've worked that. with Jamie Anderson uh, on Big Finish. Yes, over years, so you must have, have chatted to him about that. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. We're both big fans of each other. Oh, yeah, oh, that's so lovely. Let's hear it.
Thunderbirds, the theme composed by Barry Gray and requested by Sophie Aldred. You're listening to SNS Online. Just before we talk about your triumphant return to new Doctor Who, tell us about the time you were almost going to be on the Sarah Jane adventures, because I believe there was talk of that uh, back in the day. Um, yes, I apparently was going to be in one of the Sarah Jane adventures. Russell T. Davis had mapped out a rough beginning where um, apparently there was a sports car, just um, you'd see a sports car arriving at Sarah Jane's house. Right. And then you'd see these sort of um, besuited uh legs get out you wouldn't see who it was high heels and everything mm. clipping up to the door and then um from sarah jane's point of view the door would open and it would be me older me in a suit um but he said but don't worry she'd soon be back in the doc martins um running around saving the universe oh, brilliant um so sadly that was not to be because i would have absolutely loved to have worked with Liz. Sure. Uh, we knew each other very well from conventions and both loved each other's work. Um, but I never got to work with her, which was such a shame. Um, and I miss her. I learned a long time ago that if you're missing somebody, just look up at the night sky. Wherever it is, wherever they are, chances are they're looking at the stars just like you. Sometimes for all its size, the universe isn't such a big place after all. Nothing is forever. No regeneration, no life. Beware of the forces that mass against you. I'm their master. This is the day you die. I haven't heard from the Doctor for nearly four decades. Just because it's only three decades for me. Welcome to the end of your existence. Let's get to new Doctor Who. I am beyond excited that you're coming back, uh, complete with Janet Fielding as Tegan Javanka. Uh, what was it like getting the call after so many years? Oh my goodness! Actually, I'm I'm sitting right now in my house in the place where I got the call from my agent to say um, just over a year ago. She said, Andy Pryor, who's the casting director yes. of Doctor Who, has just been asking for your availability, and we all know what that means. <laughs> and I came off the phone and I burst into tears. My oh, husband said, "What's the matter?" It was just, it was the call that I didn't realise that I've been waiting for oh, all these years, basically. That's wonderful. Mm. That's wonderful. And what was it like, you know, the whole experience? Because presumably, you know, Doctor Who 30 odd years ago, budgets were very restricted and all the rest of it. And, and acting with such a different doctor and a female doctor as well. Do you know, it was just absolutely brilliant. And what was brilliant was that <clears throat> Jodie, like, Sylvester, um, you know, my doctor, mm. um, Jodie brought with her to the cast, the crew, the everybody that she interacts with. <clears throat> she just brings this infectious enthusiasm and this joy and fun and liveliness. And everybody loves her. Mm. She's a 
consummate professional as well. She, I mean, how she learns all her lines so quickly and da, 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 I mean, just unbelievable. Because in the old days, we used to have a week's rehearsal before yes, we course. went in studio or on location. Here, you just come on the set, you have a little read through, you've learned your lines, you have a camera rehearsal, and boom, crack on. Done. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. But it, 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 the whole, the whole atmosphere was extraordinary. I mean, the, the. Oh, the the you know the dresses the costume people the props people the visual effects the 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 crew were just brilliant and also i mean you know the producers the um the director was absolutely lovely mm. jamie magnus stone yes, he yes. was really welcoming and so kind of calm in yeah. the face of all sorts of but i mean it was funny because it was <laughs> i i thought oh it's going to be so high tech it's going to mm. be so amazing and there's a particular scene where um uh, something's required to fall off a table <laughs> and i was very pleased to see that what they did was they got a man with a long stick <laughs> under a table to push it. So I thought, yeah, times haven't changed since we pushed a Dalek up the stairs on a big rod fixed to its side. Yes. You know, so a hefty props man <laughs> pushing this Dalek oh, oh. Oh, oh, up the stairs like this. I mean, it must have been quite an adrenaline rush, you know, having to sort of um, literally do these scenes. Uh, you know, you said like in the old days, uh, you rehearsed in is it the Axon Hilton, they used to call it, uh, just yes. around the corner from the TV centre. But but to, to literally be in that, to jump in that moment quickly, is it quite, quite a different way of working? Terrifying, actually. <laughs> yeah, my first day... Um, I was just doing a scene um, on my own with uh, with one other lovely actress, and um, and uh, yeah, so I walked onto the set, never met anyone, even the director. I'd had a little chat with him on the phone, but meeting people for the first time, and standing there, and the uh, the first AD comes uh, comes towards me and he says um uh right uh quiet everybody he said um i'd just like to say welcome back sophie aldred and everybody burst into applause Ooh, and i'm doing it as I, well now <laughs> i nearly i nearly teared up it was amazing and it was just so lovely but also terrifying because of course you just have to you just have to get on with it. You know, yeah. you just have to... The lines, I find, more difficult um, in these latter years. <laughs> Time was when I knew my lines, I knew everybody else's lines, I knew what everyone else was meant to be doing. Now I'm lucky if I can remember my own name. So that's, <laughs> that's the tricky bit for me. But it all came back. It was amazing. I love doing telly. I love the technical aspect of yeah, knowing where the camera is, um finding the camera you know sort of where to stand where to walk to all that i love all that and it must have been great working with janet fielding and have ha having her to share this quite sort of surreal experience you know wonderful as well of course it was brilliant because janet and i know each other from conventions yeah, we've known each yeah. other for years but we'd never really sort of had a chance to sit down together and have a good old chinwag about life and everything. Mm. And um, we both really like each other's characters and respect each other's work. And we had a lot of time actually together um, sitting, waiting while shots were being set up. And also when we weren't called, we, we managed to sneak out into the beautiful 
um, park in Cardiff mm. um, and go for long walks together. Oh, um, <gasps> slightly, slightly worried that people are going to spot well, us yes. together. And go, put a comedy moustache on or something. <laughs> <laughs> we did kind of look out for people and we did have our masks at yeah. hand. Oh, well, that's all right. And whenever we were actually filming, because we filmed quite a lot of it in a central Cardiff location. Okay. And we were all car, we got in the cars and then we were wet. We, we wore these long coats that surfers wear when they come out of the water, you know, right from sort of uh, neck to floor. Um, <laughs> And then we had our masks on and Janet had her sunglasses and uh, I think she was wearing a hat one day. She looked like a character from South Park, actually. <laughs> oh, and then they'd get out, out of the cars and put a golf umbrella over us and sneak yeah. us into the location. <laughs> it was amazing because nobody, nobody spotted us. It was brilliant. Totally... Or if they did, they they haven't let on. The fans uh, are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are some, actually, who I've met at conventions who have spilled the beans there was one a couple of weeks ago and he said actually i knew you were coming back into it i said how did you know he said because i was uh, it's it was my job to clear up the place um this i think it was a church hall or something yeah. after after you'd been filming and i found a piece of paper that someone had left and it had ace and tegan on it <laughs> and he and he hadn't let on, and oh, I thought, well, good on you. Absolutely. Well, you don't want yeah. to. You don't want it spoiled. I mean, at this point where we're recording, the episode hasn't gone out yet. I don't want to have any spoilers at all. Um, I want to enjoy it when it happens and get all that impact straight away. You know. Yes. Absolutely. Very good. Ace. So, without giving too much away, are we touching on a rather different journey, Ace? has been on since her last televised story because there's so many alternative timelines to choose from from the books, comic strips, big finish, and indeed, and we have to flag this up, your very own recent novel, uh, At Childhood End, which is a total cracker, by the way. I've just read it. It is fantastic. Oh, Love you. it. Oh my thank God, it's so exciting. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, At Childhood's End was sort of trying to incorporate a lot of the answers to fans' questions yes, over the years, you know, in, in the Ace bits, like like the thing about Blue Peter, like the thing uh, that why has Ace had so many timelines, you know, and that's all sort of uh, dealt with, I hope, in, mm. in the book in many ways. So, yes, there have been many, many avenues that Ace has walked down. Um and yes, it was it was really uh, I think what did it for me was uh, the trailer for the box set, the season. Yes. Um, season 26 box set. It's been 30 years. I was just a kid when I met him. Thought I knew it all, but then he showed me the universe. He showed me adventure. We fought injustice, confronted danger, met heroes and villains, friends and foes, comrades, enemies, knights from another dimension, ghosts from the past and horrors from the future. Hunters, survivors, monsters, destroyers of worlds, and evil from the dawn of time. 
He challenged and empowered me. Helped me realize my potential. We were a team. The Doctor and Ace, out saving the universe. Then, he let me go. So I could make this world a better place. I love what I do now. But sometimes, I stand at this window and look for him. Because he left with a promise. That one day, he'd be back. Wicked. Pete McTie, who is a brilliant writer and a wonderful human, he um, emailed me out of the blue and said, I'm doing this trailer. Um, have a read of the script and see what you think. Well, I don't know whether I'm particularly emotional about Doctor Who, but I opened up the attachment, read it and burst into tears. <laughs> it was so nostalgic and lovely and really great and um so we shot this trailer in an amazing office overlooking um tower bridge, yes, tower bridge in it, the tower of london yeah really was there yeah um and i had a lot of time as we set the shot up standing staring out of that window mm. it was really great but i thought that that's exactly what ace would be like now mm. um she'd wear she'd be in a suit she'd wear a suit she'd be head of this CEO of this a, a, chari um, a charitable earth, which is what Russell T. Davis mentioned in the Sarah Jane. Of course, adventures. that's where it all set off from, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, about one line right. that Elizabeth Slade said. Oh, is a Dorothy something. Uh, she runs that company, a charitable earth. She's raised billions. So that's that's what I took as the inspiration for mm. At Childhood's End. Mm. And then when Chris Chibnall um, was kind enough to ask me into the... Um, into the centenary he said to me what do you think ace would be up to now and so i used all that really and that's what i said um so it does all kind of coordinate somewhat okay, i mean okay. they're you know they're the but i think i think fans will recognize ace that's yes, for sure yeah and I think people who have just watched for TV, it, it'll make perfect sense to them. It will be explained. But it might might be slightly different from different versions of her timeline that we've experienced. Yes, because there are just so many different versions. Yeah. So I'm always just happy. Absolutely. Happy to go along with whatever anybody writes for me. Absolutely. Happy and grateful. <laughs> Just to say, uh, Childhood's End is, is an extremely proficient piece of work. I mean, the description of the various aliens, the, the dialogue of characters past and present that just dance off the page. And it's a very satisfying development of Ace's character, plus a massive array of Easter egg references. It's got to be said from the classic and mm. modern show, which are just brilliant. Um, yeah. was, this, was this a solo effort or, or were there Doctor Who overlords standing over you, telling you, you can't write that because that didn't fit in with episode 225? <laughs> It was very much a collaboration with the wonderful Mike Tucker, who was visual yes. effects when, yes. you know, so a very good friend of mine. And Steve Cole, who I knew from BBC Books of Days Gone By. Uh -huh. And both of both of, who, of them are brilliant writers in their own right. Mm. So it was a fantastic 
introduction to me to of writing a novel yes. and um, how, how to do it, how to go about it. Mm. And actually, and, and the Easter eggs, I mean, you know, that uh, I love Easter eggs. <laughs> I lo- um, so, but not sort of, um, you know, not ones that people who don't know anything about eggs yeah. can, can uh, again, to, again impact, to no. miss out on. Sure, no. absolutely. Um, but the, but, Funnily enough, uh, I've just taken delivery this morning of a big a big box from Penguin Random House of another book, um, uh, which is origin the origin story. Yes. Um, and I've uh, I've got the first short story in in that one. And again, that one just because I'd had the experience of working with Mike and Steve, this one just really is all my own work and it rattled off oh, onto the amazing. page Fantastic. and um, again I hope people I hope fans will enjoy it because Blumenek the talk about <laughs> easter eggs I think there's one in pretty much every sentence so. <laughs> uh, just, just to explain with the origin stories it's getting the the actor or actress who played that part to write a story so Katie's written a story you have and it's uh, yes. yeah fantastic what a great idea yeah we're, we're writing I mean mine is Ace Probably shortly before Dragonfire, not mm. that long before, um, at school, basically. Mm. Um, yeah. And a lot of the origin stories, I mean, I've read the whole book because I, I did the, I was lucky enough to do the audio book. Katie okay. and I both sure. have, have shared out doing the audio book mm. and another wonderful actress as well. Mm. Um, and uh, so the, the stories, because they're origin stories, several of them are based school stories but you know i i think they're really fun and really lovely lovely stories oh, i'm so yeah. looking forward to um to reading that and just to say with the other one with a, a, cha- a charitable not a charitable earth uh oh god but it was, was a Zen. Zen. Sorry, yeah. sorry. i almost <laughs> missed my stop the other day on the dlr because i was so gripped by some it was a oh. scary scene involving giant alien rats so i almost oh, missed yeah, my stop. so thank you for that sophie audrey <laughs> well well the rats are a case in point because i'm not I... good on rats <laughs> I hate rats. I, well, I don't mind them now. We actually had some as pets for a while. Mm. But they, but um, when I was little, um, my mum and dad took me to see, me and my brother, every year, um, the ballet of the Nutcracker at Christmas. It was oh, our Christmas yes. treat. And um, my brother would dance in the aisles. I remember being very embarrassed about that. But I was <laughs> terrified of the rats. <gasps> and the rats would come out and the, the whole scurrying music and everything. It's still so. And my mum, brilliantly, because I, I used to have nightmares and think that there were rats running around my bedroom floor. She brilliantly pretended to spray rat poison down on the floor and, and <laughs> that sorted it out. Right. But so, the, you know, all this, all this venom has gone in. Yes. I mean, I would suggest you don't read 1984 unless you've read it already. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. No, I don't like that bit. Rats! They're very dangerous. Oh, no. I just was going to ask you about your teaching as well, because obviously you're putting a lot of work into future generations and uh, that must be quite nurturing. It's great. I mean, I, I've always loved helping people as well. And this is a teaching is a fantastic way to do it. I also do a lot of um, I'm training to be a seminar leader for a personal development course, which I okay. absolutely think is is one of the best as well. Well, it is the best. Um, and I'm also trustee of an educational charity that's looking after 
land for um, the future of Steiner education, Waldorf Steiner education. You have to go and look that one up because we haven't got time to go <laughs> yeah, into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it, uh, you know, I love, I love, love, love. And I think humans intrinsically want to make a difference in the world. Mm. And, um, and I think I'm very fortunate in this. I've had the opportunity to do that in so many ways. So oh, that's there we lovely. go. Just talking about other stuff you've done, I remember a rather fruity episode of EastEnders when you're part of a oh, couple yes. and you're, you're sort of implying that you might be up for a little bit of a swinging time with somebody else. Hello. Is, that, is my memory playing tricks on me? No, not at all. No, Because I was shocked. Funny. I thought, that's, that's <laughs> Ace from Doctor Who. She can't be getting up to shenanigans <laughs> like that. Outrageous. I know that was great fun to do that. Yes, it was quite quite a departure, shall we say? Yeah. <laughs> Hello. I just was going to finally ask you um, other parts you might like to do in the future. I mean, it did occur to me that they could be a, a future Doctor Who spin-off with with all the companions in somehow. But Ace could be fronting it with others. Um, I would love that to happen. But other parts as well that you know, perhaps historical, Downton Abbey type of stuff. Oh, I'd love to do some period drama. Yes, absolutely. As you say, Russell T. Davis, please put me in a spin-off. Yeah, that would absolutely. be amazing. Yay. Um, <laughs> and um, I think other parts. When I was young, I watched a production of Blythe Spirit by Noel Coward. Yeah. And I fell in love with a character, not of a young person, but of the bonkers medium in it called Madame Arcati, who spoke a bit like my old doll, actually, coming back to that. She was, she's, oh, is there anybody there? One knock for yes, two knocks for no. She does a seance. And... Um, and so parts like that, I am I'm waiting to become a batty elderly lady so that I can play those parts, sort of, you know, Miss Marplish, yes. all that kind of thing. Sylv- um, uh, Sheila Hancock does a brilliant line in them now. I'd like to do those in, in, in the future. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm just waiting for my next career, really. Oh, how exciting. Well, listen, Sophie Aldridge, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure and i'm so excited about both the book and doctor who coming up very very soon oh thank you so much it's been a real treat oh i'm so pleased there's a there's a as we call a celebrity goodie bag wing its way to you um as well so uh, yes we all get the goodie bag so there we go so sophie aldrich thank you so much thank you And our thanks again go to the fabulous Sophie Aldred. And don't forget the Doctor Who, the power of the Doctor, part of the BBC Centenary Celebrations, gets its UK premiere this Sunday, the 24th of October, at 7.30pm. And if you're listening afterwards, via the BBC's iPlayer. This episode of SNS is dedicated to Doctor Who superfan and SNS voiceover guru Anthony Fletcher Goldspink, also known as Anthony Townsend, who unfortunately died of cancer earlier this year. But not before we managed to persuade the BBC to show him Jodie Whittaker's final story in advance. His reaction? It's so exciting, and it's given me lots to think about and to dream about. And it's going to cause ructions for various reasons. A full tribute to Anthony's life and work can be found in the blog section of our website, snsonlineshow.com. 
Our next show in Series 9 also has a Doctor Who connection. The woman the Doctor used to call Mother, Tech Taeyeon, a.k.a. the utterly wonderful Barbara Flynn. But until then, from me, Nick Randall, goodbye. Scratch and sniff. I didn't know I was agreeing to that. <laughs> I thought those days were over. Well, I really enjoy working in small theatres. I don't like the huge, spectacular shows. You know, I quite like to see the audience. The whites of their eyes. I, yeah, not quite. Not quite. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not Emily Dickinson. What a miserable life led she. She didn't have Cadbury's dairy milk and nobody came for tea. My father said... Dentistry would be a very useful uh, career for you. You can use it any country in the world, and as a Jew, you might be thrown out any time. Still, it remains in me, that, that possibility. I think all good actors are trying to shine a light on what it means to be human, you know, and to look at human behaviour and, and to look at contradiction. And this is what and David Bowie saw this. Is this true? David Bowie saw this and then uh, wanted you to make a documentary about him. Yes, he asked me if I'd like to meet up and would I, he liked what he saw. And I mean, thought, what a compliment. Yeah, it, it kind of was. Maybe Fantastic. it was a rash judgment to make. <laughs> and this woman came up to me she said, Now tell me, have you made any movies? And I said, well, no, I haven't been to Betty Ford yet. Well, if I could have gone through that floor. <laughs> and somebody came pounding across the beach at me. I thought, oh, no, not here, not now. Leave me running towards me, running towards me. And I... And they ran straight past me. (laughs) (laughs) By hook or by crook, I ended up meeting them in their hotel. The words breaking in are so vulgar. For a 16-year-old Beatlemania (laughs) to spend eight days with John and Yoko, I still don't believe it. And then I was with Douglas Mm. uh, Adams. I will always remember Douglas's immortal words. She can't sing, she can't dance, she can't act. What's the good of her? (laughs) And for some reason, I was insulted. And then the door opened, and I went... Blimey, you're Shelley Winters. And she said, and who are you? And I said, I'm Derry Foles. And she put her tongue right down my throat. I never saw her again the rest of the evening. Are you enjoying now far more than you were enjoying the height of your success? No. Because at the height of my success, I was on private jets and limousines and I wouldn't be stuck in a pub with the likes of you. <laughs> well, that's charming, that is. And Britt Eklund turned and gave me a smile such as you have never seen. And I got this wonderful, utter, total attention until she realised I was absolutely no use to her whatsoever and it was all turned off as though the light was Oh, turned. no! make me laugh. And also by the Scotsman, uh, apparently you are tender, frightened and convincing. I mean, it's working for me. 
I've made Sandy Walsh blush, <laughs> but in a, in a good way. It was for me, being in the supermarket in Accrington and like elderly ladies coming up to me and saying, when are you and Roy getting married? And me saying, well, we're not allowed to because Hayley's transgender and... And them going, never mind that, they should be together. And that's the way to change the world. I'd say about yeah. this film is it's perfect to take someone on a date to because you don't have to I, talk to them. Yeah. Did you stop. do the old yawn, arms around the back, <laughs> creeping down the front? It was very I'm, tempting. I'm doing a bit. <laughs> Sliding the bra out of the top, yeah. <laughs> it's an art to that. I interviewed on the same day Idi Amin and Harold Pinto. Difficult for me to say who was most difficult and intimidating of <laughs> the two of them. I mean, were you in the same room as these uh, I was in the same room as Harold Pinter. I oh. wasn't necessarily... But I, I collected them. That's probably the best choice together as a, Yeah, Harold always was, but we became good friends over the years, yeah. and I didn't continue my relationship with Idi Amin, I can tell you that. <laughs> and I had a terrible problem because my Hamlet kept treading on my very pointy-toe shoes, you see, so I had to keep trying to leave the stage. But, of course, I couldn't because he was on the foot. And it was written as this sort of very camp... Thing. And I actually knew a couple of people that auditioned for it and they said, oh, it's this very sort of camp actory type. Mm. I thought, well, I could do that. But it said, Len is tall. And uh, Mark Gator sent me an email and said, will you give me a ring? And I thought, he's not doing that to tell me I've got it. Uh, he's just being nice because he is the nicest man in the world. And he said, look, we've, we loved what you did, but... And I said, you've gone for somebody tall, haven't you? And he went, yeah. <laughs> I could never get an agent for years because of my disability, so I had to be my own, which was good for me, actually, because it taught me a lot of discipline. And so, I'm negotiating for right fee, hopefully. Okay. <laughs> yeah, not as good on that one. More about getting the role. Now, what makes this film interesting is that it's actually really the story about two men, because J. Edgar Hoover, for so all I of the... <laughs> <laughs> Look, Nick, there's not much man-on-man action in this uh, movie. But yeah, what it is, okay, is on. a sort of story Just about... Just very intense here, right? <laughs> go on, go on. It's a story about... Uh... <laughs> We haven't done this readers for a couple of months. Uh, so, anyway, go on. Okay. Yes, it's better be good. So, <laughs> <laughs> so basically, J. Edgar Hoover, famously, was he gay? And I just think, actually, that if you don't have older actors and older actresses, you're not really getting a view of a balanced society. How much can you tell us about Mary Poppins and uh, can you succumb to tickling or bribery? Um, neither, because otherwise I'll just get a huge <laughs> smack bottom from Disney. Um, uh, uh, I can only tell you that it's going to be great. <laughs> and there are amazing people in it. If you, if you know. know who's in Meryl it. Street, I mean, Meryl Street, Meryl Streep, and uh, Emily, and Colin Firth. Mm. And Meryl Streep's a bit overrated, I think. Oh, <laughs> apparently. Sad! Exclamation mark. And then there was a guy who was supposed to shout something from the wings, and he didn't come on. And I, very oh. quick thinking, because I've got a very deep voice, I rushed off to do this old character who actually was still in the toilet. Okay. And I went off and I went, and the line was, Give me some light. And then I ran back on as Ophelia. <laughs> I've made up for it. I, yeah. I've spent many, many years since making amazing commercials, teaching people how to make sure that they don't get infected with STIs. Oh, right, that's so lovely. I'm, I'm, I'm the voice of chlamydia. So the review came in the next day. The first Ophelia to start out mad and go slowly say. My simple mantra is... Never accept the world as it is. Dream of what the world could be and then help make it happen. No, I love it. Carol Decker on Scratch and Sniff with a goodie bag. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it tremendously. 
and uh, thank you for, for picking up on so many things that I'd, I'd actually forgotten about. Did Katie get all this? Oh, yes, she got all this, yeah. No, wonderful. Tell you, Nick, it's been a total pleasure. I should get highly drunk. Thank you very much. What an enjoyable interview.